0: Welcome! You're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. Nearing the end of his life, Joshua addressed the nation and he gave them very important instructions about the land that they had entered. Remember, they had all of that 40 years of wandering in the desert and then they crossed over the Jordan River and they entered the land. Now this is many years later and Joshua is nearing the end of his life. And this is the instructions that he gave. And he tells them that the people there had worshiped idols and they had uh, every false and wicked thing, the people that were in the land. The Israelites were, not, were to worship God and only him. They were told specifically to not marry the people that remained who were to be killed in the first place. When they went in, they were supposed to clear out everyone that was there, and they didn't. But he said, do not marry the people that are there because they would lead them to worship idols, the same gods that they were told not to worship. And just as a note, because we're going to be talking about worshiping and worshiping idols, worship is the reverent love and devotion accorded to deity an idol or a sacred object. There's ceremonies, the prayers or other religious forms by which this love is expressed. Two of the Ten Commandments were about this very thing. So usually when God says something and God says something again, especially if he says it a third time, we should pay attention. God is telling us things important. So two of the Ten Commandments and there'll be in Exodus chapter 20, verse three. One, he says, you shall have no other gods Before me, verse four, you shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water or under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. And further down in verse 22 of that same chapter. And the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen that I have spoken to you from heaven. You shall not make other gods besides me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. And I just want to pause there for a moment. Even as I was reading through it, we may not think of the in the sense that we would take a silver bar or a gold bar or take some gold jewelry and melt it down and make an idol out of it. But gold and silver is usually what money and currency is based on. And there are a number of people in our day and age who that is their idol. They worship money. They worship gold. They worship silver. And that's what's their most important thing. That's what they live for. And I know that when we first came to Scotland, this idea of idol worship or bowing down or carving something was so strange to me because I thought we certainly don't do that today. But we are here in Scotland and I think it was in 2010. And every year they have the Beltane Festival which is Baal worship on Colton Hill. They still worship idols today. They still worship these foreign gods. In fact, it's on the rise. It's on the rise, all of the occult and all the things that are going on in the darkness. God is saying to them and saying to us, do not worship, do not go after these things. God knew that this would be a snare and a trap for his people. It would break their relationship that they had between God and them. As Moses was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, what were the Israelites doing? They were building and making a golden calf. In the process of him getting the Ten Commandments, they're making a golden calf. If that can happen to them within 40 days of crossing through the Red Sea of 40 days of seeing the mountain on fire, 40 days of seeing the visible presence of God, we need to take note and be on high alert. If that can happen to them, that can happen to us. And I've said before that it's like sometimes there's something that happens and we miss a service. And then we might miss two services and then we might have something else. And then we start to get into, well, you know, I'll phone it in, I'll I'll watch it online or I'll do a catch up. And yet our heart can just, in, in three weeks, we can go from being on fire from God to being almost heathen. Within like a three-week span, there's just something, it's human nature. We need to be careful. So here's what Joshua says near the end of his life. Joshua twenty three eleven, He says, so take diligent heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you and intermarry with them, So that you associate with them and they with you. Know that with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive these nations out from before you. But there will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So here was the pattern that Israel would follow. Yes, God, we're going to follow you. They make a pledge at the end of Joshua's life. We We will follow after God. And here's the pattern. They would forsake God and they would worship idols. Their enemies would subdue them and then they would eventually ask God for help and God would help them. And initially God sent judges. If you look through the book of Judges, God sent judges to help them before they went ahead and asked for a king. Saul was the first king chosen by the people. Although God was their king, they wanted a man to rule them like all the other nations. They didn't want to be the special people that were gods. They wanted to be like all the other nations. Be careful if we just want to be like everybody else. It says we're a peculiar people, a chosen royal priesthood. They wanted to be like everyone else. And even Samuel the prophet was grieved that they asked for a king. But God gave them a king. And Saul started out well but faltered. When push came to shove, he didn't obey God's instructions for fear of the people. The kingdom was taken from him and given to David, a man after God's own heart, to rule. And he was in the lineage of Messiah. But after David died, his son Solomon became king of Israel. He had promises personally from God that if he would obey all his statutes and laws, that he would have an amazing legacy If he followed God with all of his heart. One of the things David had desired was to build a house for the Lord. But God told him that he would not be the one to build it. Solomon was the one who would build the temple. In the fourth year of his reign, he began to build the first temple. And in 1 Kings 3, God appeared to Solomon in a dream. And he said this to him, ask, what do you want me to give to you? Imagine God shows up in his dream personally and says, what do you want, Solomon? That's what God asks. And Solomon asks for an understanding to rule God's people. He says, I'm I'm young and I I need to know how to govern well. This pleased God because Solomon didn't ask for long life. He didn't ask for riches or the lives of his enemies, but asked for discernment to know justice and how to govern God's people So God gives Solomon wisdom from heaven and deep understanding. God also would remind him to follow after him all of his days. As the wisest man that ever lived, he would definitely know what the law of Moses said regarding marrying women and worshiping their gods that were from the nations around them. It would not only harm him and his God-given legacy, but would bring disaster upon all of Israel Sometimes we make poor decisions that not only affect us, but our loved ones as well. We make decisions that affect even the wider church family. His falling away from God and not following the Lord would cost Israel very dearly. Last week I talked about pressing onward to run the race. It does no good if you only run nine-tenths of the race. You can't run a marathon and, and finish at the 25th mile. You're disqualified. You have not finished. You have to cross the finish line. You have to do it within the rules. Many of the kings of Israel started well, but they did not finish the race. Their hearts grew cold and disobedient later in life. May we press onward to win the prize. And so here's our scripture reading today in 1 Kings chapter 11. I'm going to begin in verse 1. These verses are a tremendous warning for us. In the scripture reading today, I said, is it a promise? Is it? It's one of the things. Is it's a warning for us? Verse 1, but King Solomon defiantly loved many foreign women, the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, they were the very nations of whom the Lord had said to the Israelites, You shall not mingle with them, neither shall they mingle with you, for surely they will turn your hearts after their gods. Yet Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart from God. No reason that he needed to have that many wives and concubines. Verse 4, For when Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away after other gods, and his heart was not perfect or complete and whole with the Lord, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians. And after each of these, I'm just going to give you a little background as to what these gods or goddesses were that he was worshipping. Asherah was... Represented by a limbless tree trunk planted in the ground. And it makes me think of the Native American totem pole. Those of you that are familiar with that. It's just a big pole and it has all kinds of stuff carved into it. Different eagle faces and different things. It's a limbless tree trunk that was people worshipped. The trunk was carved with symbolic things. Representing the goddess. Because of the association with carved trees. The places of Asherah worship were usually called groves. And one of King Manasseh's evil deeds was that he took a carved Asherah pole that he had made and put it in the temple. She was considered the moon goddess and was often worshipped as a counterpart of Baal, who was the sun god. So she was the moon goddess, he was the sun god. Asherah was also worshipped as the goddess of love and war. It was noted, worshiping her for its sensuality involved ritual prostitution. The priests and priestesses of Asherah practiced divination and fortune-telling. God strictly banned them from worshiping this idol. The law specified that a grove of trees was not to be near an altar of the Lord. And despite God's clear instructions, Asherah worship was a constant problem in Israel. Later, Jezebel made Asherah worship even more prevalent, even employing 400 prophets of this so-called God on the royal payroll. The sacrifices to her were obscene. And after Milcom, so Asherah, and then he went after Milcom, the abominable idol of the Ammonites. Milcom was the Ammonites' chief state god parallel to Yahweh in Israel, Given that the Bible refers to him as having been worshipped by people in Jerusalem, it's possible that he was also a native rather than a foreign god in Israel. So God tells them specifically, don't marry them, don't intermingle with them, they will be a trap and a snare to you. And here he's starting worshipping these other gods. Verse 6, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father did. He didn't completely abandon worshiping God. He just made him one of the gods that he worshipped. Friends, we cannot have a divided heart. The warnings in scripture, if God be God, follow him. Remember Elijah with the showdown with the prophets of Baal? If God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, follow him. Just choose. Don't be on the fence. Just choose. God does not want us to have a divided heart. God does not want us Lukewarm, it says in Revelation, he'll spew us out of his mouth. God wants us to be undivided in our devotion and loyalty to him. Joshua even said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Friends, God is all in on us. We need to be all in with him, wholeheartedly following him. Isaiah 46, 9, God says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. God's not going to share us. He said, I'm a jealous God. He's not going to have us worshiping idols or doing what we want and trying to also worship Him. Continuing on, verse 7. Again, this is a warning to us. And Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abominable idol of Moab, on the hill opposite Jerusalem. And we've been there. And he built this thing on the Mount of Olives. So you could stand from uh, the, the place in Israel. You could come down from the temple and look east to the Mount of Olives. It goes down the big valley and up. And he built a high place there to Chemosh. Chemosh was of the same nature as Baal. On certain occasions, a human sacrifice was considered necessary to secure his favor Solomon is said to have built a sanctuary to him on the Mount of Olives, which was there until the reforms of Josiah. This decision by Solomon made the worship of Chemosh a part of the idolatry of Israel for 400 years. So friends, it's that thing, and we'll look at the progression that Solomon made. It's that thing that we need to be aware of. Because like I said, this sounds like, oh, this was hundreds of years ago. This was thousands of years ago. No one certainly does that today. And continuing on, and he says, And for Moloch, the abominable idol of the Ammonites, the worshipers of Moloch were made, ha, made to have their children pass through the fire for Moloch. It was child sacrifice. They had their kids go through the fire to get the favor of this God, a kind of consecration. The children were killed and burned. This was the whole point of it was human sacrifice. How had the once great nation, God's very own people, sunk so low that they would offer their children on an altar to a pagan god? Friends, this is scary stuff. This is a warning. Verse eight, and he did so for all of his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Warren Weersby says this, and let's look at the progression that Solomon went through. Solomon's compromise wasn't a sudden thing. For first, he gradually descended into his idolatry. First, he permitted his wives to worship their own gods. Then he tolerated their idolatry and even built shrines for them. Eventually, he began to participate in pagan practices with his wives. His sensual love for his many wives was more compelling than his spiritual love for the Lord, the God of Israel. He was a man with a divided and disobedient heart. And the people who are double-minded and unstable are dangerous. James even talks about that. Don't be unstable. An unstable man, double-mindedness. He says a man that's double-minded is unstable in all of his ways. He looked at what harm can it be? Maybe his wife said to him, come on, light this incense. Seems innocent enough. And what a slippery slope. And we've seen over the years things that seemed so insignificant and so simple. What a slippery slope that they lead to. He didn't think that was going to be that bad. He had no plan. It wasn't like Solomon woke up one day. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build this high place to this idol. No, his heart, it started there. His wives were like, come on. Come on, just do this with me. Verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Friends, some of us would love for God to appear to us once. God appeared to him twice and said, follow after me. Like, it's almost like God saying, I want to do this for you, Solomon. I want to have this, this um, heir of yours on the throne like David. He said to David, you will never stop to have someone on the throne all the way and through to Messiah. That his, his royal lineage would be there. God gives Solomon every single thing he needs to succeed. He gives him wisdom. It says that the queen of Sheba came. People come from miles to hear wisdom from Solomon. He was the wisest man that ever lived and made these foolish decisions. If he can do that, we need to be careful. God was angry with him. He had real encounters with God, but through time and age, his heart had gotten soft. Toward sin and the things of a world, but not obeying God. And we can all fall into that same danger. We have had times that we've encountered God, but through time and age, and we just grow cold toward Him. It says, as the end draws near, the love of many will grow cold. Let us hold fast to our faith. The Bible says, hold fast in the confession of your faith without wavering. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Verse 10, And he commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he did not do what the Lord commanded. God knew that marrying these these foreign wives would be a snare to his people. He knew what the ramifications would be. He warned them many times to not do this thing. Israel suffered greatly, because they wouldn't wholeheartedly serve God. They seemed to always want the best of both. They wanted to walk the fence. They wanted what God gave and all the benefits. But they didn't just release and destroy the idols that were a snare to them. Friends, we can do the same. We have all the benefits of God. We have eternity. We have salvation that's waiting for us. But we won't turn our back on those things of the world. And it's dangerous. He alone is worthy of our worship and our devotion. Verse 11, therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, because you are doing this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely rend the kingdom from you and will give it to your servant Doesn't even say, I'm going to give it to your son. I'm not going to give it to your grandson. I'm going to give it to your servant. That's rending. God's torn it from him like he did with Saul. And it's so interesting is you have Saul who was not so good, started well and faltered. And then you have David, the man that God chose and brought in, who did everything that God commanded, had his heart open before God. And then here's Solomon, who instead of continuing on like David, end up being more like Saul. At the end of his life. And friends, I know that I want to not to point you out, Doreen, but I want to be like you, Doreen. I want to be in my 80s and I'm still running after God. I'm not wanting to just sit in a rocking chair and just wait for the angels to come visit me. I am I want to, as my friend used to say, I want to die with my boots on. I want to be doing something for the kingdom of God. I want to be pressing on. After Solomon died, the kingdom would be divided for good. Israel and Judah split. They're still not together. They would go on to see the temple burned. This temple that he worked so hard on, it burned. It got taken over and they burned it to the ground. His people were dragged away as captives and they struggled for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. The idol worship he took part in would be a constant snare to the people. They broke many of the covenants to keep the commandments of God. God. It may seem like a small thing, just burning a few incense to to some God, some God of his wife, but it had devastating consequences. The enemy will always minimize sin and consequences, always will say, it's not that big of a thing. There was a progression to the downfall of Solomon. It didn't happen one day, it didn't happen overnight. His heart became divided We too need to be careful that we don't have a divided heart. As I said, God is all in on us. He gave it all and held nothing back. Friends, I encourage you, go all in on God. Follow Him with all your heart, with no division, no wavering, no wondering, all in with God. Worship Him with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. And in closing, just one of the things we want to do this year at the beginning as we went into a time of fasting, we want to dedicate and consecrate ourselves to God and God alone. That's what we're after this year. Again, he's the only one worthy of our praise, our adoration and worship. Jesus said that the Father seeks those who worship him in spirit and in truth. As we get closer to the end, may we be closer to God than ever before. I wanna go out with my boots on. I wanna be closer to God at the end than I was at the beginning. I don't want to grow cold and that's on me. I have to follow after that. I have to maintain that. May we live carefully to finish well and not let our hearts or love grow cold. And it's a danger that we can all fall into. Solomon blew it at the end. And you could read about all of his accomplishments to here, but all that matters is he blew it at the end. He, he went the 25 miles and, and I'm out. He blew it at the end. Friends, we need to go and get to the finish line. He allowed his many wives to draw his heart away. And I would say even young people that are here, don't let anyone draw your heart away from God. No one is worth it. Let us hold fast to our faith without wavering. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.